0: Hello again, listeners, and welcome to episode 42 of the Agile Pubcast. If this is your first time here, then let me explain. This is a podcast where two Agile coaches sit in the pub and talk about their work in the time it takes to finish their drinks. Those two coaches in question are myself, Paul Goddard, and my good friend and occasional working colleague, Mr. Jeff Watts. Just a reminder about our next live event, which will be in Leeds on Tuesday, the 27th of February, 2018. So if you're local to that area of the UK on that particular date, make sure you look us up on the event hosted by our friends at Agile in Leeds and you can find them on Meetup. Okay, back to this episode. Now we do get the odd comments sometimes about sound quality. However, Jeff and I believe that part of the appeal of the podcast comes from a slightly lower quality and you might have to remember that these are recorded in actual pubs and sometimes we can't control the levels of background noise. So with that in mind, here comes a disclaimer for this particular episode. There is some background noise on this one. So continue from this point at your own risk. If you don't like too much pub ambiance or live jazz music in this particular case, switch off now. But if you're still with us, here we go.
1: Oh, this is an evening podcast. It is. It's quite late actually, Jeff. It's almost nine o'clock. It's nearly bedtime. It's, oh God, um, I've got my nightcap. Drink. Oh, I, I, I love that.
2: This is. This is. I'm going to have to take a picture of this so that we can put it on. We can put pictures on the podcast, right? Yes. You can. Okay. Well, well it, I don't know how it works, but well, <laughs> I'll take a picture and you make sure that it goes on there. because this is. This is something completely different. It is a pint, isn't it? But it's not a usual
1: pint. It's no, bit oh bit no, no, it's not. There's nothing usual about that. It had a biscuit in it, for Christ's sake. It had a ginger nut biscuit. One of my favourite biscuits. But biscuits that I normally drink dunking tea, mm. not in cold alcohol. Yeah, it's a, it is a dunking man's biscuit, isn't it? Yeah. So what have you got, then? This is called... Um, we're in a pub called The, the Mesmerist. The Mesmerist. In Brighton. And I'm drinking uh, a mesmerist ginger beer, which is in a, a kind of a tankard pint glass. It's a cocktail, which is largely gin and um, a lot of ginger in it, obviously. Um, but it's, it's got a lot of ice, and it's, it's in a long glass, and it's kind of got bits of root ginger kind of floating in it, which makes it look quite unappealing on the eye. <laughs> but it is actually um, very sweet, and I like a sweet, uh, you know, sweet drinks. Oh, you've gone for a liquid dessert today it's, yeah i didn't have dessert at the restaurant for once so I you had didn't a, have a dessert i had a liquid dessert in, in the form of a ginger ginger cocktail what have you got well i, I as as is my wont, i've gone
2: for the most um curious looking thing on the on tap and this is called aunt sally's it's called an aunt sally and it's a it's a sour mash ale. Sa- what does sour that mean, mash? sour mash? Well, so sour mash is kind of one of the ways that you can. Uh, it's, to me, I associate sour mash with whiskey. So you can have a sour mash rye whiskey. Right. Um, but I don't know the details of what it is. But this is. Um, so what, what, I had to pull up the description because it didn't even say how alcoholic it was on the tap before I'd bought it. So right. it's. I this think is it's, coming straight from the web. Yeah, so this is coming from their website, 5.7%. It says. Uh, we... it tastes a bit like some chewable flavoured vitamins. <laughs> it's sweet, tart and sassy, just like the tasty cherry pie that your favourite aunt makes. For all the Aunt Sally's out there, you know who you are. And it's actually quite... it is sharp.
1: Yeah, it is tart. It is sassy. I think that's, that's a pretty good description. I'm going to have another sip now. So, my memory of when you say Aunt Sally, I instantly think of Wurzel Gummidge. Okay. It's a UK reference, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry to anyone um, outside the UK, but if Nigel was here, we'd know what I mean. Mm. But um, Wizzle Gummidge and Aunt Sally, famously played by who, Jeff? Oh, no idea. Oh, I think it was Una-, Una Stubbs. Really? Was that right? What do you not know? know. No, I think it was. I'm going to say that. That's- I'm going to lock in my answer there. Okay. I'm not going to phone a friend. No. I-, I'll, um, I won't even take 50 We'll 50. find out. We'll no.
2: find out, won't we? We'll have to yeah <laughs> so I wouldn't I don't I don't agree that it tastes like flavoured vitamins yeah and I, I quite like medicine and vitamins <laughs> cowpaw re- yeah, cow yeah, yeah, yeah yeah orange neurofemis yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm even quite partial to um, Pepto-Bismol which is I'm that an American oh
1: thing? yeah it's, it's pink and it, it turns your poo black Nice! nice. <laughs> we nice. might edit that bit out. Nice reference for our listeners. <laughs> today, so. It's like a, a U.S. Gabbascon. Okay. Yeah. Edit point.
2: Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, so we're, we're in the Mesmerist. It's a, it's a kind of, I guess, a freaky-looking pub, really. It's got lots it's of... It's very surreal in here, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's lots of um, mannequins, actual moving mannequins in sort of old... Relics.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: oh, quite bizarre. There's animal heads poking at the walls and it's, uh, strange paintings. And uh, I'm looking up at a two-headed painting now. To a two-headed lady. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's quite dark, but um, just, but kind of
2: funky. <coughs> yeah. We've come through a door that's. Steampunk? Steam is that what you call oh, steampunk?
3: Right,
2: yeah. We've come through a false door made of um, like a medicine cabinet. We'll take some photos. It's yeah, quite cool. It's pretty cool. So
1: yeah, here we are. This is um, basically the normal, but we've had a good day. I'd say. We've we've just had- done, So Jeff and I just did day one of our... Uh, advanced course, which again we're trying to do a bit more of that with a bit more advanced training for Scrum Masters, which is good. Yeah, this one's an in house one. Yeah, private so, for a private client. And they've uh,
2: got quite a few good Scrum Masters looking to just learn new things, really curious yeah. and see what else is out there, how they might develop, what the next steps might be, and soak up any techniques that are out there. So, yeah, really good, really good day, really. Any highlights for um, you in particular? Um, highlights. I just like the way that. Even when we gave them some, some ideas that were, I guess, um, a little bit uncomfortable for them, they still attacked them with an open mind, if you like. Yeah. Um, I guess, to a degree, I guess, they, they trusted us to, to go with it, even though their intuition perhaps said, mm, not sure about that.
3: Yeah
1: that to me is a, oh, I like that oh, that's a good sign I think you have to be prepared prepared to do that don't you as a scrum master somewhat take a step outside your comfort zone and well, a lot of the scrum masters that, that, that I coach and work with that's
2: exactly what they're asking their teams to do it's, yeah. it's what they're asking their product owners to do in many cases it's what they're asking their management to do so you kind of walk the talk you know put, the money where, put your money where your mouth is
3: and
1: do, do it yourself, yourself yeah so, we, yeah, we did a, a whole exercise today around retrospective design and some, trying to give some ideas on, on how to do that. And the subject of metaphor came up, didn't it? Mm, this is an interesting one. Yeah. Well, this, was, this was something that I got the sense immediately. Not, not that everyone, but maybe a few people in the group were a bit more uncomfortable Oh, yeah, there was it? Definitely, definitely a tension in of, the room. What on earth are Paul and Jeff on about here? This, yeah. this isn't normal. This doesn't feel comfortable. It was a uh, palpable sense of... Uh, 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 what do you call it, really? Well, see, uh, to me, it was just a tension.
2: Literally a tensing up of muscles. <laughs> <laughs> which, which was... Uh, part, part of the reason we do that is to put them outside of their comfort zone and to try something completely different. And the majority of people, on the face of it, I find, when you say, what do you think about metaphor, you have to be using metaphor, the, the answer is typically no. Yeah. However, when most people do use metaphor without thinking.
1: Yeah, exactly. It comes. At, it actually, as a human being, is it's how we learn. It's how it's how we explain out situations. Yeah. and
2: But if you consciously think, I'm going to be a little bit abstract about this. It's but. like
1: asking someone. I'm going to ask you to be creative, which instantly that puts yeah. that puts the uh, the fear of God into some yeah. people oh my God, I need to be creative, therefore my idea has to be amazing, has yeah. to be original, has to be you know, completely yeah. uh, accepted. And in, in, in some respects, it doesn't really matter what ideas you come up with. But no. it's people get a huge fear about making themselves look silly or maybe it's just a safety thing people didn't feel.
2: Well, that's it, and you know, I know, I'm comfortable with what I know. I'm not comfortable with this. I might get it wrong, mm. I might get judged for getting it wrong, I might look silly, um, but actually that that's, that that's a big part of why we do it, yeah. we actually, it doesn't matter if you get it wrong, that, and I'm glad that came through, you know, some teams quite visibly struggled with getting themselves into the mindset of I'm going to abstract this to a metaphor, but. Just by going through the process, even if the design they came up with for the retrospective wasn't usable yeah they started asking themselves some different questions just because they had to, to, to see try and see through a new lens yeah and proving to, to the team and this was a point that, that you made just putting it out there All right, I, I've, I've never done this before it, it might go wrong what's the worst that could happen yeah you know, the worst that could happen is we have a different
1: retrospective yeah. Not a bad thing. It's the fear of fear of. Um, well, what's what is more dangerous is the fear of trying something out or the of not or just not knowing. Mm. Yeah. Of not of, of the fear of not knowing if, it, if it's actually worth it. So. Yeah. What do we regret?
2: Yeah. We regret the things that we haven't done. We don't typically regret the things that we do do when we
1: look back. No we regret the, things, the opportunities that we missed and think, it's oh, we should norm- have had the courage to do that. Never normally as bad as we anticipate it will be. As a species, I think we,
2: we tend to over... my favourite word, catastrophize. Mm. Uh, we tend to imagine more things going wrong than will actually go wrong, Yeah. which causes a lot of people to be unnecessarily risk averse yeah. and, and
1: dampen down the things that they would like to do and like to try and like to say. I wonder if it's also that people put up a perception of how those ideas, creative ideas, would be um, judged. So, for instance, I've done a lot of work with improvisers and actors, and if you suggested using metaphors there, there would be no sense of... Well, that's a bit strange that's a bit different because they use metaphors all the time yeah. they use they tell, they tell stories all the time they, they work in an artistic environment perhaps the, the, the perception is that you're asking scientists yeah. engineers logical thinkers to think with a, an artistic mind and people think well that's not going to it's not going to fly it's not going to resonate with people therefore I'm going to look too different too silly too yeah. um, Trying to make people feel awkward, mm. and that makes them feel awkward. But in fact, we're naturally tuned, programmed on how to receive those those ideas. Mm. I'm trying to think of everyday metaphors that we that we use.
2: Well, I mean, before we go down that road, I, for me retrospectives are a really good place to use that because we're trying to we're trying to get past the logic we're trying to get past yeah. the, the pure data and the binary into interpretations into meaning into understanding and, and patterns and joining dots and a lot of these things are quite I say touchy-feely I'm not a big fan of that phrase but they're they're, they're not hard logical things they're how do i interpret this how do i feel about this and what does this mean for us and sometimes it's e- a lot easier well i say sometimes i thought i'm going a bit further than that most in most cases it's a lot easier for people to talk about the real thing in abstract terms so if i can talk about a metaphor that's a lot easier than actually talking about the absolute situation, the absolute behavior, I
1: did this or so-and-so did this. We can talk about it in almost like the third person if you like. Yeah and I mentioned this today, the fact that if you can, if you can establish or find a metaphor that people in your team enjoy and can immerse themselves in <laughs>
2: I'm laughing, sorry, because the guy's just walked past with a Game of Thrones (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt on. One of my favourite t-shirts, I drink and I know things, I love that. Um, Is that from Game of Thrones? Yes, from Game of Thrones.
1: At this point, I have to acknowledge that Paul has...
2: Paul's one of the ten people in the world that's never never watched Game of
1: Thrones. Thrones. And and he wears it
2: like a badge of honour. But that came out today, didn't it? It it did, it did, yeah. We we were talking about themes and potential metaphors to be used in a retrospective. Game of Thrones was was a good one for two reasons. One is because everyone apart from Paul knows what it is. <laughs> and also it's so vast that you can there are so many ways that you can slice that metaphor to apply it to different situations. Um, and that, that that's useful, you're not pigeonholed into a really specific metaphor like um, well we have one of the options we had today was dog breeds, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Which is great because the team
1: ran with it. Uh, and I went down into the sort of craftsmanship metaphor. Yeah, but, but unless you had a dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, you would think maybe they were, were all dog owners, I don't know, know, but I'd struggle with that thing because I've never had a dog and I'm not particularly an expert in dog species, so I, I wouldn't be able to. Contra- I don't feel like I'd be You've able to. You've never had a dog and never watched Game of Thrones. No, I know, I haven't lived. But I'm going to use the, I mean, I'm not going to suggest that uh, and try and stereotype. It software developers here, <laughs> but... No, here comes
2: a generalised stereotypical, <laughs> stereotype of software developers. But a theme
1: has to be appropriate to the audience, mm-hmm. in terms of... Well, I think the more that people can relate to that yeah. theme, yeah, the more they can... They, but it they does give... So I, I, I can just imagine it. if someone is, is particularly like me, I, if I've got a... I'm quite nerdy about, like, comic books or things like that, yeah. I'd find it easier to... Yeah relate to the characters in, in a comic book yeah. and sometimes if it instead of, you ask the question there today on, on today's course by saying what, not necessarily what would I do but what would John's,
3: Tyrion or yeah, oh you John's know so- Jon
1: Snow I know John Snow is the easiest name I can remember you know, but what nothing. would what would those characters do in that situation yeah. and it allows people that perhaps didn't have a voice don't want to put their own voice forward yeah. to suggest what someone else's voice would say but they can speak through that Indirectly, person yeah, yeah. And it's amazing how many people will open up when they feel like it's not them being done. Well, to be done. honest, that, that's the question we get asked a lot, isn't it?
2: And it's quite common. Again, not with the stereotyping of software developers. <laughs> but we get asked this question a lot. How do you encourage the more introverted yes. people yeah. to join in to retrospectives more? Because yes. we want full participation. We want everybody to have a voice. But some people are a little less comfortable airing their views. And if you can air it through a third person, through a metaphor, that
1: can make it a hell of a lot easier for for some people. I also think, however, the two things. I don't think, I think in the agile space we sometimes devalue introversion. I think introversion is actually, can be a good thing. And it's in certain circumstances, at certain times, in very busy, you know, if the pressure's on and, and we need to knuckle down, you kind of want people that can, yeah. to a degree, get, get you know, se- separate themselves off and get something d- done. So I'm not. Sure. I, I, I think you might be. Meant, you run the risk of, of, with that statement,
2: getting quite a bit of response to that. When I don't think you necessarily mean how that will be interpreted. I don't, I don't think introversion has been um, undervalued because I think, at heart, a lot of people in Agile teams will will do value the values of introversion. However, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, I'm mean, i putting words in your mouth here. The values of extroversion and outright collaboration have been really trumpeted. And getting together in a room and talking openly and airing your booze and everything goes and posting notes and stuff, that's been out there. Whereas the we all know although we don't talk about it we need some quiet focus time yeah and there's so there's there's times for collaboration like almost radical collaboration
1: but i think there's a perception in, in, that if, if i'm new to agile that it means trying to convert people trying okay. to trying to take someone who's naturally more introverted and trying to change their characteristics trying to change the people, people okay that. i don't think that in some respects i don't think that's possible and i don't think you to actually want that
2: well, we had a good discussion today, actually, about, as a, as a self-organising team, coming up with, not working agreements, but just a general, cards on the table, understanding of how we're going to work together as a team, and how, as a Scrum Master, we'd facilitate that conversation, because a lot of it goes unspoken, and can lead to a lot of, sort of, passive resistance. Yeah. Um, and there was the, you know, someone felt very, very strongly about people turning up to meetings on time yeah and i'm i'm, I'm one of those people i i I'm, i value punctuality and I, I, I really do um but somebody else in that team in that small group of just five people somebody else said oh, i see what you mean but i don't see getting to that meeting on time outweighs me providing necessary input to the previous meeting that i'm in i I'm not just going to cut that meeting short just to be there on time when I know I can add value somewhere else. So it's not just as black and white as that, and I'm not disrespecting you by being late. By having that conversation, I think that's really, really important. And so the same kind of thing about the introversion, extroversion thing, if, if, if you have a natural preference for quiet time, yeah. alone time, focus time, headphones on, yes, yeah. some progress. I, as a team member,
1: should respect that. Absolutely. But equally, if you are part of a team... Yeah, it goes both ways. <coughs> well, yeah, you have to so, be able to stretch into the other Exactly.
2: Area. So I, I, I will temper my need, my strong, innate desire to, to yeah. n- touch on the shoulder and say, Paul, what do you think about this? What yeah. do you think about this? But equally, I know that you will come outside
1: of your no, I think that's comfort zone. It's a T-shaped skill, isn't it? Yeah. It's a T-shaped softer skill, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of you have to be able to stretch have at least an appreciation of when people need that time or people are expecting you to contribute. Yeah. But there's ways that you can, not accommodate, but work around, it doesn't have to be always vocal, you don't have to ask people to directly speak, you could do a lot of more written communication, you could do, you can still participate in that way. by. Hand signals, which I know some teams use to try and, in terms of voice and support rather than having to speak up in a large crowd, which some people just don't like. Smaller group exercises, all that type of stuff. It's it's allowing those people to still contribute without feeling that they're being put on the spot. Yeah,
2: I think that overall Scrum Team is all about maximizing team values and aligning team values without overly compromising individual values. And yeah how do you do that well you create such a, a team environment and team identity where each individual is willing to sacrifice a small amount of their personal value autonomy for the greater team value yeah.
1: Yeah. not completely what happens when and I think I'm kind of segueing now into another discussion we had today well this what, is what it's all about isn't it this podcast what hap- kind of happens if someone doesn't want to play play by the rules someone doesn't want to doesn't buy into those team behaviours doesn't, doesn't respect the values yeah. that we have that question is usually asked <coughs>
2: with an extra element <laughs> uh, to me anyway maybe maybe you're, yeah. it's different with you but to me it's always how do I manage that person Yeah, yeah. and so I, I like to distance I like to separate these two aspects just like you've done there and focus on so what's going on there and don't get me wrong, there are times when certain team compositions, certain personalities, just it just doesn't work. Yeah. You know? Some people just don't get on for whatever reason. Um, I think it's a, a very small minority It's case, not very often. No, not very often at all. For me, and so a lot of the exercises that we were working on today, was just getting a greater all-round visibility of the team members as people, where they're coming from, what their needs are, what their values are, and where their challenges are, and often when you find out a little bit about these people who don't want to play the game, there's something else going on, and for me, the most common is, it's, it's about autonomy. And so, a lot of the organisations that we work in, the jazz has just straight up downstairs. You might be able to hear that. You might be able to hear that. Anyway, a bit of a bit of a different soundtrack to our normal <laughs> podcast. Um, yes, yeah, so this autonomy thing, and a lot of the organisations that, that I work in, people often don't have a choice as to whether they're part of the team or not. No. And if I've had my autonomy compromised in that way, even by being pushed into it, yeah. Well, I'm part of the, You're part of this team. Well, yeah. You don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. My natural human desire to have control over my self, my identity and my destiny, will lead me to channeling that desire for autonomy in other ways. That could be, in terms of the amount that I give to the team, yeah. it, it, will, it will leak out in other ways. Yeah. That's the, for
1: me the most common. There are other ones, obviously. What do you think? I think, it's, I think you're right. I think also it's... I love to ask the question, the, the hard question is how are the team feel about it in terms of it feels like, and even some of the guys that we had there today felt like it was their problem. As a scrum master. As a scrum master yeah. feeling this feels like something I, ha- I should manage. It feels, and like, in it feels like a with an team it
3: might be. Yeah,
1: yeah. But even even for an immature scrum, scrum team you've got to be trying thinking firstly is this a problem? Yeah. Is it? Am I dramatising this? Am am I seeing something that actually no one else sees? So, firstly, verification. (laughs) But also, how does the team want me to deal with this? Yeah. But where the team is
2: right now, this is something that we will get back when we say this. But where the team is right now, they might not. Have the capability or even appreciation of the situation to do with it. What they actually want right then is to just stop the anxiety, just stop the discomfort, yeah. however possible, however quickly, when actually the, the better long term solution for that team is to work it through. So is what the team want actually what's good for them? That, that's, a, that's a real can of
1: worms thing. The scrum masters but it's it. also about um, maybe at the early stages is that person aware of the effect it's having on other people? Probably. Maybe you have to make that more transparent. Maybe maybe I've just had it easy, but quite often,
2: a lot of those situations, those people that are not playing by the rules, again, just from my own experience, the first thing they want is to be heard. Yeah. They want their opinions, perspectives, voices to be heard. They don't necessarily want change, no. they just want to have a say, yeah. and to, to know that their opinion is being listened to. And once we've started with that, then they can start to be part of shaping that team identity, and then even though they haven't got a choice of being part of that group, they have got a choice of being part of the kind of team that they're part of. So it's autonomy
1: in how that team has defined itself. Have you ever come across people that have kind of okay, I know what this agile stuff is. I've been part of it, and it's just literally it's not my bag. Yeah, they've walked away. That's left that job. I have, I have, and I I like to think.
2: So I've got I've got one person in mind right now. I won't I won't name them. And. Well, when I think of that person, I think they had, they had so much to offer an agile team. Yeah. And I think they had so much to gain from being part of an agile team. But their first instinct was, my, my position has been undermined. What do you mean, my position? So they had a managerial position. Right. And this was kind of undermining how they had seen Their value to the organisation. By basically removing hierarchy and flat structure. Yeah, by flattening the structure and and, and changing their responsibility from managing the team to creating a self-managing team. They saw, their their initial impression was: okay, so how I have defined the value that I add has now been gone. And I I can get that value somewhere else, what I know and I'm going to just jump ship. So rather than explore what options and opportunities they had, they jump ship. I think a few people will do that too quickly, but you and I know, and again I can think of someone in particular, we'll call him Dave, (laughs) um, who was a very fierce opponent too agile but again that op- that opposition was generally down to a lack of information and because yeah. of that fear but once they were aware of what they had to gain from it and you know, they, they, were, they, they became one of the biggest advocates yeah
1: yeah Interesting. any other highlights from today I mean, to be honest, this beer is
2: pretty good. I, I, <laughs> oh, really? uh, yeah, I, I, it I was surprised. Eyes. Yeah, it's, I'm not, I don't know how many I could drink in a row because it is quite sharp. Yeah, tart. Yeah. Um. But highlights from the day. Um, I quite like working in a room that's got a lot of natural light. This is quite sad, isn't it? <laughs> I do like. That. So we had a, a room with a lot of light coming into it. It wasn't, wasn't a great view. No, like the A twenty three or whatever it was. Yeah. But it was it was it was an unnatural night. A lot of natural light. Other um, highlights, just just general. I, I like banter. Course banter. I just no, just general banter. You were just, throwing in a few jokes today, Jeff. Oh, I mean, forget my terrible jokes for a minute, but just it's, I like being in a room where not even if I'm not part of it, there's a bit of banter going on. Okay. I just that's just a really, for me, a positive, enjoyable atmosphere. Yeah. There's no real tension in the room, there's no animosity, and there's no passive aggressive behaviour. No, it's just general, do you know what? And someone said today, at the end of the day, whatever happens with our project, no one's going to die. Oh, no. So, let's just not take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. And I, I like that. Life yeah. is, no, is too short. You spend a lot of time at work. Yeah. Do the best you can. You make the best of it. And,
3: yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I think that was one of the... That, came, that was a thread that came back. It wasn't a direct answer. There was a thread that came back a few times, of you don't necessarily have to focus on, for example, making retrospectives more fun, you know, yeah. to actually yeah. focus on making, making things more enjoyable and fun. And if you can focus on other things, then your direct,
1: indirect actions can yeah. have different emotions. Because a lot of people see the retrospectives, that's, that's the point of them, but that can quickly backfire on you. But... The, thing I, the things I liked about it was a sense of humility in the room. I think people were, weren't so proud to suggest that they had all the answers up front. No, there was no ego in the room, no. was there? That's good. I think we were dealing with people at the right level. I think they had a, a real willingness to accept that there were better ways or different ways to do things, which, which is was great. Which is great. And yeah. I, for me, when, when, when you hear people
2: saying, for example, I, I've been doing scrum since 2009 I'll yeah. say, right? As soon as I hear that My initial reaction <laughs> is Okay I've got to know it all here yeah. They want to prove I'm saying And I, I think I try and temper my My uh, judging a book by its cover type thing But uh, It's just the experience that I've had over the last few years yeah. It's kind of a yeah. you know, Missing contest isn't it In yeah. a way yeah. But these guys, they yeah, we've been doing this from for quite a few years, um, and I want to know how, what else there is. You know, I want I want to learn. I willingness to learn, yeah. even that. Yeah. Which that's characteristic for me of a really good scrum Master, and learning organisation. It's the kind of behaviour that we want our scrum masters to model in organisation. You never stop learning. Yeah. We don't stop learning. We learn stuff. from These guys.
3: Yeah. Yeah. What
1: about you? What was your highlight? Um, I liked... We played a little bit of um, Agile Taboo Oh, I like that game. I like that game. So, this is a relatively new thing that Jeff and I came up with this year, but I'll I'll share it with you now. So, it's very think It's easy enough to explain over a podcast. That's that's all the best activities generally are. So, basically, if you're familiar with with a a game of taboo, a board game, basically, you're given a word to describe, and you have to describe it without certain taboo words. So, we... So if the word was pineapple, yeah you could use words like juice or um, tree or
2: fruit spiky. Spiky, or, yeah. yeah. So there'd be certain words that you can't use but you have to the success
1: is you can you can describe it so that the person you're describing it to yeah. could name it. Yeah. So we had slightly adapt it adapted it to a classroom environment today. But the main learning objective being can people explain scrub or Agile principles, Agile artifacts, without using the buzzwords. So... Jargon-free. Yeah, trying to be able to relate to and talk to people in there using their own jargon. Customers or product owners without using Scrum jargon, so I think it went quite well. We've changed, we've adapted it slightly, we've iterated on it, but I think today we actually... It went really well and it was really fun and we did some scores and people made some errors and threw in a few words that they shouldn't have, but it was really interesting I think it was a nice way to finish, that was a bit of a highlight for me in terms yeah. of a bit of fun at the end. Yeah, I like those where it
2: just seems like it's a bit of a game but actually, oh yeah, Yeah, there's a we learning could point. use that, we yeah. could use that, there's something going on. That was and good. just practicing, because it's quite easy, uh, we're, we're as guilty as anybody else of just using jargon and terminology without thinking about it. Uh, yeah. That turns
1: get. people off, right? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. just want to make it real, make it real to that person. Yeah. So you can create your own version, obviously. You can try that yourselves with your team. Try and get them to describe certain keywords in your project. Maybe it's a project thing, it doesn't have to be scrum things. No. Trying to explain certain processes that you're following, certain activities you're doing without using certain keywords. Just as a way to increase the speed of thought, thinking on your feet, and yeah, um, nice. talking, you know, increasing vocabulary, that type of thing. Listening, yeah. it was a good listening exercise. Yeah. Yeah. One of the people in the team, uh, we did a little teams of three or four, and they had to. One of them was the judge. So if someone slipped up on a word or threw in a word they yeah. shouldn't have, there was one person there listening intently to try and pick up on those mm. and score their team down when they did. So, I
3: thought
1: it was quite. It had a lot of hidden benefits, I guess. And it went as well as it's done for a while, so that was good. Yeah. On the whole, I think it's day one done, we've got day two tomorrow, so. Yeah, looking forward to day two. We're gonna look at a lot more uh, sort of
2: coaching skills tomorrow, won't we? Yeah. It's gonna be a bit of, start the day with a bit of abstraction. Yeah. I like that, I like that. Forcing people to think a bit differently about their work. Yeah, yeah, give them something completely non-agile and have them relate that back to an agile or a scrum master situation. And then, yeah, a lot of coaching skills, listening, questioning, uh, facilitation, impediment removal,
1: all that kind of stuff. It's, I, like, I like day two. I mean, day, day one went really well, but this I do like something day something we amused about lunch today, and perhaps this is a good way to finish and to throw this one out there to, the, to our to thousands, the thousands of, uh, of listeners. And me and Jeff kind of stopped at one moment at lunchtime over a sandwich and said to each other, do you think we've got the right... Perception here, because we there is—it's quite a coaching-heavy course, right? Yeah. It's a two-day advanced course that Jeff and I are running at the moment, and we both admit and we both kind of agree, really. We've built the curriculum together. It's largely based around coaching experience, coaching, and how we approaches. view it and how what, reflective of our own styles and we just kind of had a moment thinking oh, what if we're wrong? <laughs> just questioning our own belief and our own, our own style so just interesting what people think really perhaps they could tweet, tweet us back at the Agile podcast and um, so you know I think either it'd be nice to know that people agree with that, or maybe people don't agree with that. Maybe people think it's a very
2: technical we, thing. That we've, we've probably got a very built-in confirmation by yeah. so The people that listen to this are
1: probably the people that agree with our view as well. Yeah. So we haven't really got a, a split, you know, fair, fair but sum, but Sometimes, even as, a, as coaches ourselves, it's worth just taking a step back and thinking, what if, what if I'm wrong? Yeah, well, I like that, yeah. What if there's a different way? What yeah. if there's... There's always a different way.
2: Yeah, of course there is. Yeah. We've, we've tried not to be too dogmatic, haven't we? Maybe? But, but if, I think we're always going to have... Preferences? Yeah, and styles. Styles, and leanings. Ah,
3: yeah.
2: all oh, no, that deep thought. I'm it's only probably half. time to, to call it a day. <laughs> I like I'm, that. I'm halfway through my drink, but I just. We had no it. idea where that was going. For <laughs> the gingerbread... What was it called? Ginger beer. Mesmerous ginger Mesmeris beer. Mesmerous ginger beer. Yeah. And the... Uh, it's very sweet. Sour mash ale. Oh, that worked quite well. I'll drink to that. Cheers, boys. Cheers, mate. And girls, and everybody else. Till next time.